What's up, folks? On this Investor Weekly News update for July 11th, I'm going to be talking about some housing marketing trends, what's happening with rents, also some bankruptcies in the crowdfunding website space, and then I'm going to be talking about some findings that we're having in Alabama. But first off, here we go. So just to start off with a little bit of a something I've been thinking about lately is how to develop the next entrepreneur side of the next generation. Most of our investors are credit investors and they typically got there through investing, but mostly through their small business or multiple six-figure paycheck from their professional job. So a lot of high IQ, EQ professionals that are in our investment group, but they're not necessarily entrepreneurs, right? They're great portions of big pieces of Fortune 500 companies. And then you compare that with the other side of the table. You go to a lot of smaller real estate operator clubs, the amateur real estate operators who obviously you probably get 100,000 house flippers and maybe only one or two of them are successful. Some say they don't have it because they don't have the technical expertise, can't work a spreadsheet, can't seem to get things done. What is the difference between these kind of amateur real estate operators and like drug dealers, right? Some drug dealers are really good business people and they grow a big operation, um, kind of like Pablo Escobar. Obviously, most are not academically trained and they can't grow the business marketing systems, etc. At least speaking for myself, I worked as an engineer for a little bit more than a decade in Fortune 500 companies. And I look back and a lot of Lessons learned in how big companies do things, things not to do, but also things, why procedures were there in the first place and going through college. Now, I don't think college is really super, super important, but I think it does separate a little bit of academic aptitude, which I think separates folks in the higher net worth runs who have the capacity. Now, sure, I think a lot of times people will point out people who didn't have a college level degree being super successful. But I think that's very rare. I think to be a successful business owner, entrepreneur, you need to have the ability to synthesize data and not saying that college weeds those types of people out. For example, a lot of our property management staff, they don't have that next level ability to synthesize data like some of the people with who are in the PM ranks that with college degrees. I see a lot of those property management folks cap out in terms of their ability to climb the corporate ladder. I'm not saying that in some respect, certain jobs are only able to get with X amount of college years experience, but this is just anecdote that I'm seeing from the property management, asset management teams that we have. And I think especially in a world with ChatGPT, becoming an artificial intelligence, really taking over more of the lower level white collar jobs, that's going to be something putting more emphasis on people being able to critically think, synergize, strategize. I was just in another executive meeting with some other business owners and I got into a philosophical argument with another person who was a little bit old school, right? Their argument was that somebody needs to go through the trials and tribulations of a grunt worker for 10 to 20 years. And then from that, develop the skills necessary to synergize and experience the draw from. And my argument was, yeah, you need to go through that to some extent. Speaking from my own personal experience as a more of a junior level engineer, it doesn't take a smart person that long to 
you know, go through a season or two of construction and then have the experience of that of a 10, somebody with a 10 year, 20 year veteran. Sure, there's small incremental steps year after year, decade after decade. But I think there's something that separates somebody who's able to see patterns and synergize. And of course, with the EQ of working with people that you don't need to have 20, 30 years of iterations of data and experience that now I look back and now I realize why companies red circle certain employees and cushion them up the ranks. Personally, I wasn't one of those people, which is why I quietly built my real estate portfolio off the side so I could leave corporate America as quick as I could. But now I'm seeing why, which is how human resources work in higher level companies where certain people have the skill sets to, once they get a little bit of experience, they kind of push them up the chain and become more experienced and senior management level. But aside from that, let's get into some real estate news here. What's happening in Alabama? This is coming from in the Wall Street Journal. They said that many retirees are selling down in Alabama over their Florida counterparts. They're citing Baldwin County, which is on the southern part of Alabama, which is Gulf Shores and Mobile, Alabama, those parts as a lower cost of living compared to the popular retirement destination in Florida. There is also beautiful beaches, lower property taxes, and proximity to big southern cities, Baldwin County's growth and popularity among retirees highlight the importance for affordability and attracting seniors in all other regions. And before all you investors out there hearing that and starting to invest in Mobile, Alabama, we just pulled out of those locations because, man, is insurance really expensive in those Southern Mississippi? That's the state of Mississippi. I'm not super keen on from an economy point of view and Louisiana too. But yeah, man, those has insurance just skyrocketed in a lot of these areas, which is why even we stay away from the Panhandle of Florida and then the Tampa um, area of Florida. A lot of people are moving down there, may not be. I think as an investor, you need to kind of look at the whole picture, right? Insurance, taxes, economic growth, rent increases, job growth. But here's, that's just one article here, right? This coming from Redfin, the housing market update, the average U.S. home is selling above its asking price for the first time in nearly a year. But this is propped up due to low inventory and steady demand and booing home prices. A lack of homes for sale is the main reason homes are selling above their asking price, with new listings down 25% from a year ago and the total number of homes for sale down 12% as homeowners hang on to relatively low mortgage rates. And that's one side of the story that they're talking about here. The theory is if you've locked into a relatively low interest rate, why would you move elsewhere, especially with housing prices stagnant from where they were several years ago when you might have locked in at those rates? Of course, corporate moves, people have to move or forced to are going to be forced into this. This is Housing prices is made up, especially in the residential world, of supply and demand. And here you're having a case where the demand is low, thus the kind of the end that's propping up the prices. So this marks the first time in nearly a year that the typical home price is selling above its asking price on average, and it's down from 102% a year earlier. If you guys want to join our group, We are doing a little event here in Seattle, Washington next week. 
join at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. Some of you guys have joined up and we haven't had that onboarding call yet. And that's a big thing for our group, right? Or at least for myself, we don't run an organization where we're just a bunch of random strangers on email lists, right? We want to get to know each other, see if we're a good fit, because that's ultimately how we get people coming to our high quality events in the future. We need to know everybody. So if you guys haven't done yet that yet, please reach out to team at simplepassivecashflow.com and we'll get you scheduled. But if you haven't joined the list yet, join at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. Um, as far as June 2023 monthly housing market trends report, the number of homes actively for sale increased by 7.1% compared to last year. The total number of unsold homes, including homes that are under contract, decreased by 4.6%. So this similar to the earlier article saying home sellers were less active in June with 25.7 fewer homes newly listed for compared sales last year, which means the lower lower supply, right? Homes spent 44 days on market, which is 13 days longer than last year, but still shorter than before the pandemic. And that homes spent on market or what people call days on market is, I think, a great indicator or snapshot in time. You know, is it a buyer's market or is it a seller's market? No, normally they'll say traditionally 60 days, 90 days on market is at equilibrium point here. And they're saying about four days on market is the average now. One could say it's still a seller's market. I think, you know, that's why these rules, right? The 60 to 90 day days on market rules, just a guideline, right? I would probably argue that it really is a buyer's market. If you have money out there and you're not really needing to get a high leverage loan, whether it's commercial real estate or residential real estate, you're going to get a deal now. For some investors that are looking to sell off their turnkey rentals finally or downsize their house, now you can still get the price that you want. However, you just got to be more patient, right? You're not going to have 11 people bidding up your price and set the price, your price that you want, but you're just, that's not going to fly off the shelves right away. And you just have to get a little lucky courting that right buyer. This is the kind of the big news that kind of shocked me a little bit. Pure Street files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. So Pure Street was one of, I would say, the top five crowdfunding websites out there. I was surprised. Like I thought Pure Street was more a strictly broker dealer. So like a lot of these crowdfunding websites, they're just a marketplace. They're no different than eBay or um, Amazon where people list properties on there or items for sale. Or in this case, what a broker dealer website is, they will charge operators like myself to list our deals on their website. I've looked into using these guys several years back and I was like, wow, this is really expensive for an operator to pay y'all to raise capital. And the problem is as the real estate syndicator operator, I can't get the names and build a relationship with, with the customers to have them reload into a future deal once things go well. So it's and there's not super advantageous, I think, for the price that people charge. But anyway... These crowdfunding websites are very big venture capital-backed companies, and it's definitely a growing thing in the future. I definitely think it's better than you know, investing in Wall Street and traditional investments, so I'm okay for the whole trend. It's just They're just playing another broker-dealer role, another middleman, and I've always been one for kind of eliminating those middlemen and being more direct as an investor. But yeah, so 
Here, Pure Street will seek to sell substantial of all its assets, including not limited to its mortgage loan assets and technology platform, in a series of transactions intended to maximize value for all Pure Street stakeholders. So that's what I was a little surprised by this because I didn't think, again, I thought Pure Street was just a broker dealer, so they didn't really have any skin in the game. Now, maybe I don't understand the whole story, but it does seem like that they were buying and selling notes potentially. I had a conversation with another note operator in the space who tipped me off to this. And then I also tipped me to another big kind of note operator space who did a lot of notes and their, their website went down and filing for bankruptcy. For those of you guys worried about us, we are just with, we have the new book coming out. So we're rebranding to that. So you might see the website flicker from here and then as we're trying to turn stuff on and off to them. But yeah, like things are definitely happening, right? There are definitely opportunities for people, investors to come in um, into these distress opportunities. This is what everybody's been waiting for, right? This is the time when there is, it's not a good time to be selling your assets right now because you may not get the good price because of the interest rates are high, unless you can get lucky and find the buyer that can is a little insulated from getting a, needing a loan. Um, overall, when you're dealing with 50, $100 million assets, typically you have sophisticated investors who use debt and need loans. So that's why if you don't have to sell now, you try not to. If you're a real estate operator, how do you make payroll? How do you keep deals going, right? That's the difficulty that a lot of people are in the space. Sure, there's a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of interest rates, which will provide relief and turn the tides from a buyer's market to a seller's market. It's holding your breath till that period. But for more sophisticated investors coming in now, now's the time when they're getting those great deals. But yeah, if you guys want to grab the book before we phase out the old book and go and start promoting the new book here in a couple of months, The Journey to Simple Passive Cash Flow, Real Estate Investing for the Working Professional. Appreciate you guys leaving a review and we will see you guys next week. Bye.